0: This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome in, my friends, to another episode of Behind the Pen. My name is Mike Rankin, and I'll be your host for today's show. And honestly, I have a treat for all of you listening. Thank you all for listening, as always. But today, alongside me, one of my best friends, one of the OGs of really the podcasting crew, Luke the Hennessy thank you so much for jumping on the show anytime my pleasure you know honestly it's been something in the works for a while now we haven't been doing podcasts uh, regularly since really back in the day honestly this is this is a reunion of some sort it's our third show here on most valuable podcasts and I can't wait to get into all the stuff we have on tap it's always a pleasure to have Luke on and talking sports with me we got Bears NFL playoffs Bulls White Sox and a bunch of other randomness. So stick around if you're on blogtalkradio.com dot com backslash most valuable podcast. Thank you very much. You can listen to our full length podcast there. If you're on YouTube, thank you very much for listening. We're going to start off today with the Chicago Bears, but before that, got to plug the Patreon page patreon. dot com backslash most valuable podcast. Become a Patreon. Submit whatever kind of uh, uh, income you have towards us, and we can entertain you more so than we you already do or we already do. Otherwise, I mean. We're going to provide content, consistent content for you. we got the NFL Draft coming up. It's going to be so much fun. Luke? You get so much more professional every time I jump on with you. It's crazy, right? Just And honestly, this is uh, going on a year now. Happy 2017 to everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, sir. And we're we're making moves, guys. It's uh, what? We just hit 4,300 subscribers on YouTube. Couldn't have done it without you. Whoa. And it's a lot of fun. We do it Please for donate you. All your money to Mike Rankin. Specifically Mike Rankin and Behind the Pen, because obviously, come on. What's better than behind the pen, nothing much. But Luke, man, it's so good to have you because, you know, like I said, back in the day we used to get together and, and talk sports and it, it's it's just a pleasure of mine. So I, I whenever we this is a Chicago based podcast, we talk about Chicago sports a lot and it sort of gets redundant, but I don't really care because it's it's our forte. And whenever I have a chance to have you on the show, I, I have to get your opinions on the sports that we love. And that's the Bears, Bulls, White Sox, I mean Cubs, all the Chicago sports. We're gonna start with the Bears because their season just ended, three and thirteen, tied for the worst finish in a sixteen-game season in the history of the Chicago Bears. Right? I think thirteen losses was tied for the worst ever. Yep. And people are excited, like Ryan Pace and, and and John Fox. So let me ask you this: Are you encouraged by the Chicago Bears? Let me ask you this actually before you answer that question: Do you feel better about the state of the Bears? going into next year after this season as opposed to last year? No, does anybody? Brian uh, Pace does. And, and John <laughs> the joke Fox of does. a conference. And, oh, nine wins, Luke. <laughs> it took 9 wins for an uh, NFC team to make the playoffs this year. Yep. And the Bears had the second easiest schedule in the league, and they and they just they just took a dump in front of that terrible surface that is Soldier Field this year. 3 wins. 3. And yeah, 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 there's so much 20 guys in the injured reserve. Did they finish showing it on the road? They must have I think every win was at home. They beat the Lions, they beat the Vikings, and they beat the Niners. Yeah. All at home. That is so Woo! sad. Go Bears. Yeah! That gives me uh, <laughs> it gives me hope for next year, especially with the third pick in the draft. We're going to get to that conversation because I'm interested to hear your thoughts and where they want to go with it. Um, but first, we got to address the end of the season and, you know, there was a press conference with Ryan Pace and John Fox. Apparently, John Fox is cool with everything, right? Nobody says nothing more than John
1: Fox. And that's the thing, He's too. never said anything.
0: I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, John, Mr. Fox, like what happened on that third down play where you decided to go for it and it got stuffed in the backfield? Well, you know, I got to look at the tape and when we think about it, you know, that's really the set we've been doing all year. So, I mean, I really can't speak on it right now.
1: His responses literally reminds me of like a Twitter bot. That is coded to have like generic responses that kind of make you think they're human, but they're really robots. Right,
0: and they just lead you on, they get you in the DMs, and it's like, ah, ha, ha. <laughs> Well, I mean, I digress. But with John Fox and, and and like, was it really necessary for him to be next to Ryan Pace in this postseason or, or end of the season review? Because we don't hear from Pace really at all, and then John Fox really every single week, and we know this—he's pretty much in charge of the operation that is the Bears. He's had. A lot of influence on the construct, the roster, the way they decided to draft the last two seasons. This is a big one for Ryan Pace, by the way. We're going to get into draft talk in a minute, but Dow Loggins is coming back. And obviously, hopefully, Vic Fangio is back. I mean, he's the savior, the lifeblood of the Bears right now. He's the reason why the Bears are somewhat relevant and competitive in ball games. But it's just like, oh, the state of the Bears, 3-13, and so much regression. And for a lot of reasons, you would expect... Maybe John Fox be fired after this season. I don't know what your opinion is on John Fox, but at this point, you really can't do
1: it. Can this coaching staff handle another horrible disaster year where they win like four or five games next year?
0: I mean, could they put together a narrative saying that, oh, we're seeing progress? Maybe. It depends on the way they draft and the way the draft picks emerge as either legitimate NFL players, because that's something the Bears were in such a hole, right? like two years because of Emory and then the end of the Jerry Angelo years, they were so talent deficient that they relied so much in free agency and old guys, right, And especially on the defensive side. So I don't know. You got a draft out of it, and they haven't been able to. And that's the problem. And they probably won't. That's the problem. And just to go back on this conversation, you, you didn't like that Dow Loggins is coming back? Why? No. I mean, he
1: just looks horrible and unprofessional. I know it's not his fault that he was dealing with um you know guys like Cam Meredith and as his number one receivers and Matt Barkley but i think it was pretty clear that giving Dell Loggins another year to win five games as an offensive coordinator what's the point
0: well Dell Loggins comes in with no prior experience as a play caller and you know how obvious but he looked
1: uh, overmatched right away oh lot,
0: oh yeah especially the first four weeks
1: of the season i mean how many games did Jordan Howard get like 17 carries when he was averaging 6 yards
0: absolutely over 100 yards, you know, he, he broke the rookie record, you know, continuing uh, the Chicago Bears tradition of, well, right after Forte, and it was a great thing, too, with 1,300 yards rushing, and he pretty much was a non-factor in the first three, four weeks of the season, and he didn't get regular carries. Nope. He would put up those kinds of numbers with Matt Barkley throwing it 45 times a game, Brian Hoyer throwing it 40 times a game, and you talk about why guys like Brian Hoyer had success and Matt Barkley had success throughout the season stat-wise, it was because they were always down, trying to come back from a deficit, and he had to throw the ball at the same time. Dialogue and shied away from what is the strength of the Bears, even with a broken down offensive line. And that was Jordan Howard, but for John Fox to be okay with the current set besides the training staff, because it looks like there's going to be a major overhaul in the training staff. Twenty injured reserve players—that's a problem. Yep. So back to dialogues. I I don't know. I don't know. And I talked about this before in a lot of podcasts. Is he capable of developing? Certain offensive skilled players, like especially the quarterback position, because that's what, I, in my opinion, the biggest need for the Bears this year lies within. So, oh, The man. Bears are
1: about to be in a QB black hole for I don't know how long, but for longer. It's been
0: going on their whole franchise career. So, so let's look I at don't know if it's end again. the Chicago Bears roster at the end of 2017, or at the beginning of 2017, end of 2016. So you had some skilled players out of the last draft, right? Nick Kwiatkowski, not... So much a standout guy, but when he was able to get some playing time, he looked okay. He's probably an NFL backup right now. Uh, I think the strength, obviously, is that front seven. Uh, I think that's fair to say. Uh, Cody Whitehair looks fantastic. I think if they decide to move him back to guard and go with Grassoon next season, that would be a mistake, only because of how well Whitehair transitioned into the center position. Leonard Floyd. Dealt with uh, concussions specifically near the end of the year. I thought he was going to be paralyzed when he ran into Keen Hicks. Yeah, um, that's just the worst kind of injuries for this kind of guy. Right, so I mean, you had some, especially, yeah, you look at the top three picks, well, the top two in, in particular, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. However, what are the positions of need in your mind for the Bears in this upcoming draft? Like, where do you really have to target
1: to get better? I wish they could draft a really reliable secondary player.
0: I agree with you. It's
1: it's been badly needed. Yeah, I for mean, for a long time.
0: Adam Archuleta, uh, 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 Vereen, what's his name? I forget his name, but Shane Vereen's brother, Brock Vereen. Brock Vereen was back there for a while. I mean, they haven't had a legitimate safety. They're putting Deion Bush out there. Adrian Amos is just a guy. You know, there's nothing special about Adrian Amos. He hits hard. Seems like they've had a black hole in safety cornerback region since Tillman's prime ended. Yeah, and we talk about Bryce Callahan. He emerged undrafted free agent, though he wasn't drafted. Cravin LeBlanc, they like him a lot. They played him pretty much every single week since week two, and he's an undrafted free agent signed from uh, New England. So
1: I mean, the Bears, the Bears literally were one takeaway away from setting a record for the lowest amount of takeaways in a 16 game season. They had 11 all year,
0: and that doesn't surprise me because since Mel Tucker took over, this defense has been putrid in, in that category. And that's something obviously but they're just not drafting playmakers in the secondary. Exactly. Playmakers, they need playmakers, and they're not even forcing fumbles, right? And you know what? Uh, you look at what their position is in the draft three. That's that's pretty dang good, if I do say my say, say so myself. And they have so much of need, including the quarterback position, that if you if you reach on a guy, say like whoever whoever's available. Well, because it's it's early, obviously. It's it's January fifth as we record this podcast, and the draft is until April. But I'm looking forward to the combine. But you look at it now, I don't think it would be smart for the Bears to jump at a quarterback at three and pass on a guy like, well, Miles Garrett, possibly Miles Garrett, who is projected a top three pick, Uh, Jonathan Allen, playmaking defensive end. So there are names on the board that are game changers that could step in right away. The Bears need that, especially Mm -hmm. on defense.
1: Yeah. I mean, does it look like there's any franchise quarterback, franchise changing quarterbacks in the draft this year?
0: Well, there's mixed opinions because people say... Guys like Trubisky, Watson, Kaiser have such a high upside. And I saw there was a a guy from Wyoming or something that was on Matt Bowen's board that the Bears could take at three, which I'm a little skeptical about. This is the first time I've heard of his name. It's like what I've been reading about, I, I just I don't know. I'm not gonna pretend like I know and I'm a professional draft scout. I rely on them to kind of feed me information. I, I gather my opinion from that. And people who I trust, right? You know what I mean? Like Mel Kuiper, get out of here. I'm not gonna listen to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I can't do it. So it's like, but right now, there's so many positions to need, you got to take the best available, who's going to be there on the board. Now, on the defensive side, you talked about it, and that's a great point. Biggest weakness right now in that, in that defensive front is the secondary. They have no sort of playmakers, and what's going on with Kyle Fuller? Kyle Fuller had a knee scope in like the third preseason game, and he was out for the year. He's, shown, he's just shown the whole time that he's
1: never going to be able to stay on the field.
0: Do you think they get rid of him? Do you think, or do you think he uh, competes
1: for a starting position next year? I mean, at this point, it's it's definitely not a good idea to turn away, turn away guys who already are familiar with the team.
0: True, but Kyle Fuller hasn't really provided much of anything, and I guess Fangio was a kind of uh, unhappy with him to say the least about his unwillingness to be prepared enough to play. I mean, yeah, you, you, you trust your body. It seems like. It's been like five or six straight seasons where the Bears have had to
1: turn the guys off the street to fill in their safety positions, quarterback positions, by like week eight. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Any def is good def at this point.
0: And if you would—okay, let me ask you this question. If you had to say what what position was the most of need, would you agree that it's quarterback right now? Oh, obviously, oh yeah. 110%. Yeah, it has to be because, obviously, quarterback-driven league, and
1: you're—, so you're just going to get Tony Romo— Oh, God. He's going to finish out his career in, like, four or five more years. Draft a guy to uh, get tutored under him. Should Tony Romo start in the playoffs? Oh, hell no.
0: No? No, okay. Would... We're going to talk NFL playoffs, so that might get brought up again. No, nah, they'll throw off the whole rhythm of their team, I think. Yeah. Anyway, uh, signing Tony Romo, I think, would just be a step backward. And If you're going to sign Tony Romo, might as well just keep Color because you're going to sign Romo, who's older, more injury-prone, with... You know, he's going to be owed more money. Yeah, realistically, don't do it. But from the fan perspective, because I don't,
1: I hate watching the Bears now. That part of me says, go for it.
0: <laughs> well, that's another conversation. Like, what is, this is the least interesting Chicago Bears team I think I've ever, ever been a part of.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, I would still get pumped up for every game in the Trustman era.
0: You know, like, I still didn't care. Right. And at least that disaster was kind of fun to watch. In 2013, they were relevant and they kept you in. Like to a point until they got blown out or they lost that game against Green Bay. Then in 2014, five and 11. What a disaster! The old Josh McCown deal, you know, benching Cutler and all this other stuff. But even the year before, this past year, there was at least a little hope. In 2015, they were yeah yeah, yeah were okay with the transition, right? They kind of played and
1: you know well in some games. Coaching staff looked competent. And they won five or six games. Six
0: and ten. They were in a lot of them. You could argue that they were a playoff contender if some games went their way. I mean, they blew a few games. They had leads, especially against San Francisco. That one stands out. This is last year, but this year, ugh, ugh, oh, I mean, so much bad.
1: I had a feeling Adam Gase leaving would kind of ruin things. But, I, I mean, there's way more problems than just that. But
0: Well, you look at it, too. When, when Gase left, and John Fox, going back to John Fox, He's talking about Dowell Loggins taking over the offense. Oh no, it's going to be that different. You know, we're going to hear you know changes here and there, but bro, it's going to be the same offense. No, what? It, what? No, that's how it works. It's yeah. not even close. I don't know what you're talking about, Mister Fox. But Dalvin Loggins has his own schemes, and he's making poo quarterbacks like Matt Barkley throw 45 times a game, and even if you're down, whatever. And people are on the Matt Barkley train. I I hope that crashed and burned because obviously he showed in the last, especially three games of the season that what he is what he is is what he is i think he he did a good job in that he showed that he can probably be a
1: backup somewhere
0: mm-hmm. and he's probably going to get an opportunity to be a backup next year with the bears now let's talk about this quarterback position specifically and what they should do moving forward what do you think that, what do you think they should do okay i'm going to give you some uh, options here i mean i wish i knew the draftable quarterbacks better cuz i really don't yeah no that's okay but i'm saying like you will find out right because it you oh, always gonna be talked to death yeah yeah you, it always does and it always plays itself out but i think we can agree that the bears have to draft a quarterback in, at some point in in the 7 rounds of this draft it'd be dumb not to well it, it would just wouldn't make any sense and we i think it's going to happen at almost 100% positive however let me let me offer you some scenarios okay do you draft a quarterback and commit to him maybe in the mid round you get someone like a Brad Kai or whatever Mid-round quarterback, you just commit to him, and he's your starter. Do you draft quarterback, let him develop under or backup like Brian Hoyer or Connor Shaw, Matt Barkley, whoever ends up winning the quarterback position? And before that, would you sign Brian Hoyer?
1: No, what's the point? I can see if they're going to draft the quarterback, I can see Barkley playing like four games, yeah, and then just let the rookie finish stuff out. So
0: you would let. Barkley and Shaw compete for the starting starting job and then
1: yeah once you realize things are hopeless you just throw the rookie out there
0: okay no I I feel
1: you let him get acclimated a little bit
0: you're done with Cutler I assume
1: yeah I mean there's there's like that seems like a closed door right is there any talk of that I feel like it's a closed door
0: well nothing's happened yet and I mean obviously they need time to make the decision but if you're so set on cutting Cutler why is he not gone yet?
1: Well, how does the option work? Is it a year by year thing, or is it a, if yeah. you pick one year up, you got to pick the rest of them up?
0: No, it's it's year by year, and as soon as you cut him, because his guaranteed money's done. This will be his fourth year. of The new deal, he's owed like seventeen mil, I believe. Which It'd is be
1: stupid to use that money on color. the
0: Middle of the pack, sort of owed. He's probably like top twelve, I think, paid quarterbacks with that contract. That
1: money could go towards
0: some some something. Way with more the state useful. of yes, and with the state of the Bears. If you get that 17 mil, you can invest in free agency. And we've seen it. Ryan Pace has had some success in free agency. He's picked up—McPhee looks like a good player, even though he was hurt. They re-signed Will Young, which was good. Uh, Keem Hicks turned out to be really good. So there are, there, he's been hitting on guys in free agency. And free agency can only do so much. Right, and they landed Josh Sitton pretty much in their laps. But that's the thing. You, you can't rely on free—and and they know that. So they're going to rely on the draft. But back to this quarterback conversation. So Cutler's done. Cutler's out of the question. We brought up Tony Romo. I don't think that's going to happen. Kirk Cousins is out there. He's probably going to be re-signed by the Redskins, because what else are they going to do? Exactly. So I bring you this question. I talked about this my last podcast. Jimmy G. Jimmy Garoppolo of the Patriots. Let me offer you this scenario. The Bears could trade the third overall pick plus a future third or something like that for Jimmy Garoppolo straight up. Would you do it? Oh, no. Not for the third pick. No? No. Why?
1: That seems definitely like overpaying for Jimmy G. Just because he looks really good with the Patriots doesn't mean he's going to come to the Bears where it's hopeless and all of a sudden you know be a savior. Right? No, I, there's no way he's that good. Sure.
0: And that's that's obviously I mean,
1: Matt Castle looked pretty damn yeah, good. Yeah. And the everybody Patriots. talks
0: about Matt Castle the comparison and people brought up Brock Osweiler. This this opportunity screams Brock Osweiler. But when I look at Jimmy Garoppolo and I and I watched his uh, combine and I, I read his. Um, They've There's another
1: chance to get him.
0: his scout profile outside of the draft, and you know, with with several NFL seasons under his belt, yeah, he hasn't played. he's only played in two games and he got hurt. He looked okay, he looked pretty good. Uh, his skill set screams NFL franchise quarterback, and and that's remained to be seen because obviously he hasn't had enough time to play. Obviously the benefit of being under the best head coach and arguably the best quarterback in the history of the game helps you, but you're right. It's the Chicago Bears. Guys going to the Bears, you can't just assume that they're going to succeed because, my God, we've seen it before. They had their chance. Maybe Chicago... You should have known about him in the draft. Well, sure, and they're stupid. They haven't drafted a quarterback since David Fales in, like, the sixth round or whatever it was. Which And he's he hasn't taken a snap. This makes no <laughs> sense. They lost him to the Ravens, and they got him back because they, they needed depth. But, my God. It's just... he they got some snaps the last game of the year. No? No. I, I don't think so. I mean, I turned it off, so I, I'm going to be honest. Like, if he did... Why? For You might as well just play him. In the, whatever. That's st- stupid conversation. But no. <laughs> Overall, you look at the, the situation with the Bears. I think, now I might be going out on a limb here, and I might be a little ignorant in saying this. You trade the third pick. Obviously, and your biggest position of need is quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo is your best prospect. And that's what he is. A quarterback prospect among all available today. Now, if you get a Jimmy G... Automatically accelerates the time frame time frame to relevancy in the Chicago Bears organization, in my opinion, because I think he's got the skills to make them at least relevant with the talent around does, them this year.
1: Does he really make the Bears any better than Jay Culler did?
0: Not not immediately, but eventually. And Jay Culler. But Jay
1: Culler, even if Garoppolo becomes a little bit better than Cutler, Culler didn't even really make this team this Bears team close to being competitive.
0: And why? Why, why Why? did he not? He doesn't have the players around him, too. And that I mean, goes one, to who?
1: Two, also colors a horrible decision maker. Yeah. So I don't and know, that, I no, don't no, know no. if Jimmy G's like that.
0: No. Right. That's the difference. Color and Jimmy G have different styles of play, and they don't have the same brain. Right? But what they will have to deal with, say Garoppolo comes in, is management and ownership and the way they put together NFL football teams, which has been a joke and a half over the last fifty-two years, honestly.
1: Yeah, I don't think this would be a very healthy environment for Garoppolo to, to up his game and become that guy. See,
0: we talk about and I'm talking about Jimmy G in two weeks, two podcasts in a row, but I feel like the best option for the Bears at quarterback would be him. And that's I mean, that's a cop out though. That's like
1: them admitting they they can't find a real solution to, to their problem. He's a real problems. solution.
0: He's twenty five years old. But getting rid of their third pick. Yes, take the third pick on Jimmy G. It's like it's like you're getting Jimmy G third overall. And you need a quarterback. That's all I'm saying. But guys uh, at the top of the draft are too valuable, most likely, uh, to pass up on. So I, I'm i about like at 20%, mainly because of the way the Bears operate, if that would ever happen. This is just all, all talk, and I, like, I just like to talk about it. Exactly. And just throw it out there. But in all likelihood... As we end this Bears conversation, I'm sure we rattle off a little bit. And this, by the way, this podcast is probably going to run a while because it's not often I get Luke in the studio with me. So bear with me. <laughs> to end this Bears conversation. We'll uh we'll edit stuff out to make us sound uh, way cooler no, and won't. smarter. No, we won't. Uh, we have the Bears, and I think where they go in the draft this year is best player available. And I think whatever whoever's on the board as a playmaker, either side of the ball, most likely defensive side, uh, they're going to take them. I'm just ready to be disappointed. <laughs> Ryan Pace has to do it. He's got to hit on these draft picks because some of them last year and the year before turned out to be kind of irrelevant. So I mean, DeAndre Hall battled injury. I don't know what's going to happen to him at cornerback. Deion Bush.
1: Ugh. I feel like it's so hard for everyone in the Bears front office and stuff to like agree on one pick.
0: Well, most likely because John Fox has been all over the place and he's like got a stranglehold of the organization. So. And they they were talking about reports of Ernie Acorsi or and, and um, Bill Polian coming in like outside consultants like looking over the Bears franchise, their operations, and then all, possibly tearing it all down.
1: I felt like that was some weird leak or something. Yeah, I
0: know. And uh, I don't know what you're talking about. So it's like that's what he does all the time. So yeah, we're gonna end it uh, on that high positive note. Uh, John Fox, um, he's coming back. Dow Loggins, he's coming back. Hopefully, our boy Vic Fangio's coming back. Other than that, training staff. See you later. Because they're, they're idiots. 3-13. Uh, and 13, Worst Bears season in the history of all time. Yep. Nobody cares about them. Go Bears! I wish I had the Mike a soundbite when he was freezing his ass off when they uh, retired his number against Dallas. That was hilarious. Uh, anyway, <laughs> let's move on to another NFL conversation. This time away from the Chicago Bears. Nine wins, Luke. Nine wins it took an NFC team to make the playoffs this year. But let's talk about some good teams. First round. Uh, it's some intriguing matchups. Um I'm just going to get your opinion on who you like in this uh, you know, playoff c- scenarios and uh, this season. <laughs> what you got uh, in your as your Super Bowl picks. But first, let's talk about the matchups a uh, wild weekend. Raiders Texans lead us off Saturday at 3:30. What do you what do you, what do you think? Because Texans are going with uh, Brock Osweiler while the Raiders are forced to go counter Cook, Matt McGloin hurt himself in the last game of the season. Obviously Derek Carr is gone. So what do you think? This game is gonna suck.
1: <laughs> I mean, everyone is gonna hate this game. They're gonna make no money from it. TV shows and all the all the channels and are probably just so pissed off that they got a rookie starting his first game ever against Brock Osweiler. It's gonna speaking, be like
0: speaking of the rookie, what a turd Connor Cook is. Anyway, why? Yeah, he's just a turd. <laughs> just the way he is, his personality. And I go back to when he—I uh, don't know—I he won. Either the MVP of uh, of a Big Ten championship game, or we won the Big Ten championship and just like ripped the trophy out of the guy who was presenting him his hands. I think it was a Big Ten commissioner or something like that. And he's just like, oh, so happy. He just took it, didn't even acknowledge him. Whatever. I just, I just think he's a prick. Wow. Otherwise, I what? think what a
1: I, huge asshole. No,
0: he's the worst. I <laughs> I know nothing else about him besides that and some stories. Uh, <laughs> Raiders, <laughs> Texans. Are you who you got? I'm gonna go Raiders. I'm with you. I'm with you because I just don't think the Texans are good. Yeah, they have a top three defense. Yeah, the run game's good. And then Cook should just bomb it to Cooper and Crabtree the whole time. And Well, that's the thing. Think <laughs> that they're
1: lucky, but the Raiders give up a lot of points And that's this also year. the thing. Yeah,
0: that's a great point. I was going to talk about the playmakers that the Raiders have, but you got to have someone to get it to them. Uh, but they, they, you can rely on the run game as much as you want. However, it's just it's it's up to Connor Cook. He hasn't taken an NFL snap, snap yet. How about it? making his debut in the first round of the playoffs in Houston? Hostile environment,
1: boy, and a good defense, right? So, so there's a good chance the Raiders are going to lose like 17 to three, but right. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go Raiders. Yeah,
0: I'm going Raiders as well. Um, I just don't have faith feel bad for, in uh, Osweiler, and I just don't like Houston. I just I don't. They're so blah. Yeah, and then the other game. So let's move on to the next game. That same day, actually the night game, will be the Lions and the Seahawks. Let's talk about the Lions a little bit. Had an opportunity to win the NFC. Really had the NFC in the driver's seat pretty much all the way through until like week, what was it, ten. And they started just losing over and over and over again. I was so not
1: surprised that they lost the last know. four straight. I just I kind of know. thought it was going to happen.
0: Everybody took the Lions seriously until they started losing, and the Packers went on this hot streak. They haven't lost in like eight weeks. so
1: but yeah, Good for the Lions. They get a playoff appearance. Seahawks are probably going to beat them by 30, but it's a nice little story.
0: You should thank Washington as well, going 8-7-1. and one. Kirk Cousins kind of pooping the bed there in a must-win. He played awful in that must-win game. Terrible against hey, he a lose. Giants team that was solidified. They played their stars. Nobody got hurt. Good for the Giants. Yeah, Washington couldn't come through. All they had to do win. You're in. Lost Dick. against
1: the Panthers. lots against the Giants.
0: Yeah, that Panthers loss was killer. But yeah, back to this conversation. Lions, Seahawks. You, you like the Seahawks in a blowout? Oh, at home, I don't see how they lose. How far do you think the Seahawks go this
1: year? Depends. I don't. They definitely don't get a uh, home game next round. So yeah, okay. I see them losing play the next Falcons round. if they win. Yeah.
0: So I think I would go. I don't like I don't like the Lions. I never really did this season at all. I mean, yeah, they they had so many what comeback victories, but whatever. Yeah. Whatever. That's a nice story. They don't have a run game. Matt Stafford had a good season. Defense has nothing really to, to, to boast about. So I mean Seattle's been there, obviously. Russell Wilson, if he's healthy. However, that offensive line is a little shaky. You gotta figure out that run game as well. So uh, what's Matt Ryan
1: have? One career
0: playoff one, if any. Matt Ryan? I believe so. I mean, yeah. Something like that.
1: So I don't know. if Seahawks somehow find themselves in Atlanta. Maybe they could win that game. Yeah,
0: I, I don't. I wouldn't doubt it at all.
1: But so. I see the Packers or the Giants coming out. Yeah. So whoever wins that game,
0: we both agree we're going to take the Seahawks there. But yeah, let's jump to that Giants-Packers game. But obviously, that's the game of the week. It's the Sunday Sunday afternoon, late afternoon game in Lambeau Field. Eli two and zero in Lambeau uh, in the playoffs. Who do you like, man? This is a this is a good matchup. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah, I got to go with the home team here. I mean, I only I it. Well, that's the only way I can decide it. I like it. I I, I understand where you're coming from with the, with the Packers, especially how hot they are. And I mean, their defense has been stepping up a little bit, but it's just Aaron Rodgers is on another level.
1: Because when he gets pissed off and people start doubting him and everybody talks shit about him in the media, that's when he just starts going mm-hmm. on runs. He's just like, watch this. Roll out better. to his
0: right, dart. Jordy Nelson's going crazy, and all these other weapons that he has, Devontae Adams, and, I mean, not even with Randall Cobb, you know, he's just making players unbelievably good, and that's... so dangerous, because him and Nelson are in such sync with each other, they can just, he can hit
1: any route, any catch throw with him, because yeah. they're just in sync with it.
0: Yeah, I heard they, like, go out to dinner every night. Uh, Giants, Packers, Giants, I'm taking them. Only because, uh, I. it's just, you get the feel, right, of the Giants having some sort of... Crazy run yet again because we've seen it before. You know, beating the, the undefeated Patriots, they were a wild card team when they did that. When they won the Super Bowl, whether well, they win two Super Bowls was a wild card team, yeah. so not. I can't doubt it. Eli's in his environment and Eli on the road in the playoffs. Eli's playing well. Their defense spent a lot of money on their defense. They've been playing well. It's too bad they're only running reliable running backs for Rashad one. Jennings. That's it. They don't have it. So that that, but neither do the Packers. They're using Ty Montgomery.
1: True, but I mean he averaged like. 6.5 yards of carry.
0: Right, but when you come down to the two, Eli versus Aaron, you're going to take Aaron Rodgers. But I'm going to go with the Giants, and I feel like the Giants are going to go to the Super Bowl. They're my Super Bowl pick next to New England. Uh, so that's a little spoiler
1: alert. Sp- 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 uh, just bet like $20 on them Win the Super Bowl. You'll get a nice return on that.
0: There you go. I'm going to uh, some, invest in some Bitcoins. Let's do it. <sighs> Dolphins-Steelers, our final conversation. Dolphins-Steelers, Adam Gase. Gets the Dolphins to the playoffs after the Dolphins had kind of a slow start to the season. Impressive stuff, even with Matt Moore. Do you think they have a chance in this game?
1: I mean, JJ can can definitely go off, but I don't see the Dolphins winning this. Yeah, I'm
0: with you. I go Steelers, Big Ben. Too many playmakers on offense. They're just solid all the way around. Um, I'm looking forward to the to, to the second round. I I'm really interested if the Seahawks do take down the Lions. That that matchup between the Falcons and, and Seahawks, I, I think it's be fun be a don't lot like of fun that
1: matchup, yep.
0: And the I think other um on the other side it'll be Patriots Steelers NFC AFC Championship. I don't think the Chiefs are anything to anything speci- special. So I'm going to take the Steelers over the Chiefs in that round. Pa- Patriots beating whoever comes out of the Raiders Texans game.
1: You said Steelers Dolphins, didn't you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the first round. You taking the Steelers? I'm Trying
1: to think about it actually.
0: <laughs> well, you really? That, I don't know. Well, the Dolphins defense has been solid. Dolphins they, are a goofy team. They are a goofy team. I, I I still think the Steelers are too good, but um yeah we're gonna we're gonna look at that. I think and then in the end, uh, AFC Championship, Patriots Steelers for me. NFC Championship, I think the Cowboys get bounced.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't see them even winning a playoff game.
0: They would have to play the winner of Giants Packers. I think either one of them beats them.
1: True. Maybe I'm just saying that because I don't like the Cowboys, but they were good this year. You can't deny it. They're right. really good this year, but I think they're overhyped.
0: It's going to be Giants-Falcons I'm going to take, because I'm going to take the Falcons over the Seahawks. Call me crazy. I'm going to do it. It'll be Giants-Falcons in Atlanta. NFC Championship game, Giants win. Patriots-Giants, that's my playoff picks. Who you got in the Super Bowl? Who's winning?
1: I'm going to go with Patriots over the Packers.
0: Okay. No, that's a fair pick. Honestly, I'm a little nervous about my Giants pick. It's a cop-out, but yeah,
1: that's okay. as much as I don't want to see the Patriots to win, I don't see how Brady gets stopped.
0: All right, listen to me, because I'm always right. And that's your playoff <laughs> predictions. If you want to use my name to bet money, and uh, you come for me, that's fine because uh, I'll be right. That was our NFL talk for uh, this segment of behind the pen. There's a lot of info there. Hopefully, you guys stay tuned all the way through. If you're on Block Talk Radio, thanks for sticking around. YouTube, what's going on, guys? We're talking Bulls, talking Chicago Bulls again, and we have to Hell do it yeah. because obviously I'm joined by Luke behennessy It's great to have you on again. Uh, we we whenever I have a chance to get this man. In the studio, it's always a pleasure. Wow, you're so nice, Mike. Oh, thanks, Lucian. Um, we got <laughs> Bulls in the news yet again, and what a surprise! Uh, hey, F- eighteen and eighteen,
1: <laughs> beat the Cavs without Kyrie and Kevin Love. Nice. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, did you hear that they want to hang a banner saying that the Bulls are like five and one against the Cavs in the regular season? Yeah, and they
1: were good against the Heat in the regular season too, when they had the big three. If you got something, you need something Bob to hold on Bulls, to,
0: baby. We got. Hoiberg in the news, we got Jimmy Butler in the news, we got Rajon Rondo in the in the news. We're going to talk about all of that. First, let me bring up the, the Fred Hoiberg conversation first with this Bulls team, because were you in this boat of, before, well, really, this offseason, were you for a transition period for this Bulls team? Like, were you ready for them to be bad this year, or are you okay with the way they, they structured their offseasons, trading Rose, signing Wade, signing Rondo?
1: Um, I was wary of it. I definitely thought it was the wrong move. They should have just let Butler do his thing. I mean, they're doing it right now, but they should have let the roster do its thing with Butler and young guys. Instead, they went this old, weird route.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I think
1: that's the right way to describe it old and weird. But once, you know, I mean, last year when they didn't deal Paul Gasol, the precedent was sent that these guys are not going to go for a rebuild unless they're absolutely forced to.
0: Absolutely. And the, I I reference that point a lot. You guys here uh, I'm behind the pen have heard me say that. Yeah, I look at the, uh, the current state of the Chicago Bulls, it's pretty much. What we expected, Just
1: Yeah, just purgatory.
0: Just what else is new?
1: Just the only way they're gonna win is if Jimmy Butler is scoring a ton, going to the free throw line somehow. Doug McDermott and Mitchet are hitting three pointers. Yikes! Because other than that, it's the it's the worst offense ever to watch.
0: What was the stat you uh, you brought up uh, before the show? It was about uh, three point attempts made or whatever. Yeah, like in what was it? Thirty two games.
1: Yeah, is that the Bulls that? The um, amount of games they go with above five field goal three point field goals made.
0: Yeah, so it was like uh, the first time the Bulls hit more than 3 pointers in a game for the first time in oh, thirty two games, and they hit thirteen, which was a uh, season high. But Floyd, that's a problem. Uh, obviously, curse state of the NBA three point shooting, you need it, and you're relying on Nikola Mirotic and Doug McDermott. Those compliment- complimentary players are not good. I'm i mean, just flat out not good.
1: I know it's not easy to just go out there and just get shooters, but there, there definitely was that option in free agency. Of
0: course. Yeah, but also at the same time, you see all the money that was being invested in free agency this year? Yeah. That's the, that's the CBA, the NBA, allowing guys like Mike Conley being the second highest paid player in the league. It is pretty ridiculous. It's, it's unbelievable the amount of money, and that's a reason why Taj Gibson's going to be gone after this season. So if you think about it, look how productive Taj Gibson's been this year. Should they trade him? Because he's, this has been such a conversation for years, and they haven't done it. I mean, right
1: now, Gibson and Lopez really f- uh, function as their only like reliable big man. Absolutely. So I mean, if you trade Gibson, they're they're definitely admitting that they're not going to compete this year unless you get some cheap big men in return.
0: Yeah, and that, the way the Bulls are, you know, at least the way the front office thinks, that's. Not in the cards, trading someone for value, right? Yeah,
1: and I think nobody's been involved in more trade talks than Gibson, I think,
0: in his I Bulls' know, career. I know, and yet he's still here, and he's going to get paid. Yeah, it's kind of insane, I think, he's still here. Next offseason, but we bring up Fred Hoiberg because he's been in the news. Apparently, he's on the hot seat, and for whatever reason, he's taken the brunt of the heat of the Bulls, yet again being mediocre. And I don't know about you, but if anyone should be at fault for the way the Bulls have been the last few years, it's Gar Foreman.
1: Yeah, I mean, how can anybody be mad right now at Hoiberg, especially because we knew exactly the, how the Bulls were going to be. He's doing exactly what he needs to do with the roster he has.
0: What did he say in his press conference, uh, his inaugural press conference for Hoiberg? He said, we're going to run the floor. We're going to shoot the ball. Gar Foreman signs Rajon Rondo, who can't shoot, one of the worst uh, offensive Value In terms of value in the game, yeah, he can pass. Okay, cool. He's
1: but there's gonna, no three-point shooters to pass it to. He's going
0: to dribble up half court, dribble some more, dribble in the paint.
1: Kick it out to Maritich, who's going to brick it.
0: With like three seconds on the shot clock, and if that doesn't work, they just hand it off to Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler's like, Damn it, again? <laughs> we have to score 50 again? Who, by the way, is turning into a superstar in front of her eyes if he's not there already. But Fred Hoiberg should not be at fault here. Because you look at the construct of this roster, how can he run his offensive system with guys like Michael Carter Williams, Isaiah Cannon, who's like among the worst shooting? What in December shot like yep. seventeen <laughs> percent? And then your best two, like we mentioned, Miritich and, and uh, McDermott, your two best shooters from uh, from behind the arc. How are you going to rely on that? And how are you going to put the blame on him?
1: You, have, I mean, you just look at your two best three-point shooters. One can't play defense, and one sh- can't shoot threes.
0: Oh, McDermott's a liability. More than a liability on the defensive end. He, the, oh, God, he can't do anything there. It's kind of funny how directly teams go at him when no, no, he's on defense. Straight up, they ISO, right at McDermott. Every single time. That's what keeps him off the floor. And then they, they invest in a guy in Denzel Valentine. I talked about this last week. He, the type of player the Bulls want him to be, isn't the type of player that he is. He's a facilitator. Honestly, I wouldn't be opposed to him playing the point. Obviously, he is more structured to be a two or maybe a three. However, his game as a facilitator who runs the floor, great court vision, but they're using him as a guy who comes off a screen and and, uh, a catch-and-shoot guy. He doesn't do that. He wasn't a good shooter at Michigan State. Coming out of the draft, it was documented that he couldn't beat his man off the dribble. Yep. What are you doing?
1: They're so desperate. They're trying to force him to be something he's not.
0: And they're trying to structure his game to the current, what, what is most needed with this current roster. That is not how you run a franchise. And this goes to form. I'm sorry. I was completely surprised that after they drafted him, they, they didn't let him bring the ball up the court. He should be a guy with the ball in his hands. And I talked about this with you off the air, that eventually Michael Carter-Williams is going to take over as the starting point guard. And we're seeing that now. And let's move on to the next conversation. <laughs> Fred, Fred Hoiberg decides to bench Rondo because he's pretty much in uh, one of the worst valuable players in the league right now. And it I'm, just
1: makes no sense on the team. I'm
0: harsh on Rondo, but it's necessary. I've been harsh on Rajon Rondo since the beginning. It didn't make sense when they started, uh they signed him. People were ecstatic. I didn't understand it. Because one, he clashes with almost every single coach he's played for he even threw a towel at i it was jim Boylan, the assistant of the bulls earlier this season <laughs> he already had he already said like if i'm not going to play i'm going to request a trade good get out of here i'd rather see jerry grant on the floor anyway even though he's just Bleh. <sighs> and that's what i said that's the current state of the bulls right now how are you going to blame uh, hoyberg for for this crap shoot you have on the court because you're relying on guys like Dwayne wade and we talked about this too he's having a great season but he's 36. He's going to die.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you can't just rely on 36-year-old Dwayne Wade to be your second scoring option. Can't got, His knee's going to fly out and hit someone in the third row. Can't happen. I'm not arguing the Wade signing, though, because I did like it. I like the Wade signing, but he can't be your, most, your second most reliable
0: scorer. Right. 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 And even if the Bulls did go into a, this transition period, who better to have on your team to guide these young stars or – Prospects to get better, Wade, and he's, oh, he's
1: been. I think he's been a great mentor, especially absolutely. for Jimmy. Absolutely,
0: and that too, he's been great uh, outside the Chicago Bulls locker room in terms of media presence and his marketability. Now he's on the Bulls, more exposure. But this Bulls franchise is in such disarray that they're relying on McDermott, Miritich, your two complimentary players. Bobby Portis has disappeared from the face of the earth. I don't know how valuable Bobby Bobby Portis is to this team anymore, and I don't know how they want to fit his game into the system, because really we haven't seen much of anything from him. He might just be bad. We don't know.
1: I mean, when I watch him, he looks decently athletic, but, I mean, he just does not look like he's ever going to figure it out.
0: And if you move Taj, then he's going to have to fill in for Taj. He's that next step, because you're not going to have Miritich on the floor most likely as your, as your stretch four. He doesn't play like a big man. And he doesn't. He shoots from from the elbow a lot. He's even shooting threes. He don't knock down the elbow every now and then. He could. But no, he's got a nice
1: shot. He seems like he likes to uh, shoot it with like two people in his face more. Of course.
0: No, he he doesn't pass the ball. That's for sure. Talking about Bobby Portis there. But also, you know, th- it's just more than that. And I think going back to the original conversation of Fred Hoiberg, it goes back to Gar Foreman. It has to go back to the responsibility of the people putting together the roster. Currently, it just didn't—it doesn't make any sense to me, man. It doesn't. The way they play— Uh, The way Hoiberg wants them to play, they don't have the right talent to do it. Yeah, it's just a slow, painful offense right now. So, Rajon Rondo, final conversation with the Chicago Bulls. Thank you all for sticking around. YouTube, you guys are the best. Leave a like down below if you could. Call me an idiot. It's cool. I get it. Don't do that. (laughs) You should not. Otherwise, Rondo, let's talk about him. What What can you do? What can you do with Rajon Rondo right now? Just cut
1: the ties. I don't see what's so hard about yeah, it.
0: Get him out. Just do it. Done with him. Because coming back, like we said, talked. He clashed with Carlisle. He he clashed in Sacramento. He, he clashed clashed uh, three straight. Coach, his last three teams, he's clashed with three Doc Rivers. Even Doc Rivers, one of the best player coaches out in the game. He couldn't even. He couldn't handle him. And you're, you're talking about Rajon Rondo coming in after all this scrutiny with Fred Hoiberg the year prior. About how he can't handle a locker room. You're going to bring this cancer in. Goes back to the front office.
1: This just seems like a typical Gar Foreman move. And at this point, I don't see really any other team that Rondo can fit on. Except a team that needs to play someone.
0: I saw reports that the Cavs were interested in a backup point guard. So the Cavs might be interested in Rondo. I think he, he may have been linked. And some reports that I saw. see if
1: LeBron can, can shape him up. Yeah, I don't know about that.
0: I don't know. Cavs are one team. That's the only team I got, honestly. As long as he's not on the Bulls, I don't care. I don't see anybody near contention wanting Rondo on their team. And to end this conversation, why are the Bulls currently in the construct that they are today? It's because Gar Foreman, the owners, and Paxton want the Bulls to be relevant every single year.
1: But I mean, it's weird. The Bulls can easily make money and not be competitive.
0: Because they're one of the main uh, media markets in the entire world. You talk about going overseas, Bulls jerseys all over the place. They definitely brought
1: in Wade and Rondo as recognizable players, so they get people to come to United Center.
0: Sure, and you you kind of convince the fan base that hey, we're going to compete, we're going to be like a seven seed and get bounced immediately.
1: Because you know, someone who hasn't followed the NBA very relatively closely, you're like whoa, Rondo and Wade,
0: right? Cool. All
1: stars, cool.
0: Awesome. yeah, dude.
1: <laughs> it's like no, it's twenty seventeen, bad, and they're not good. There's only so many times Wade can take it to the lane at this point just get completely blocked by everybody.
0: <laughs> and yeah, hope that. Well, honestly, the Robin Lopez, dude, you know what? When we talk about it, looking back, the Rose, the Rose trade was great. I thought I was like, "Yes, I'm actually excited about the Bulls' future because you got uh you're getting good value from Robin Lopez. He's he's been uh pretty consistent at center, but you're relying so much on Jimmy Butler now, and pretty much he's their entire offense. So, this is what was expected, pretty much, and we, we talk, I talked about the Bulls last week as well, but I just, I gotta do it. And it was great to have you to throw in your two cents, Luke, because it's not often I have you on the show, and it's great when I do. Aw. And you know why I have you on the show? This is the main
1: reason why I had you on the show. So we can talk about some D3 basketball. Let's go.
0: Well, maybe. What is that, Wichita State? Are they D3? No, Appalachian <laughs> State. Is that D3? I don't know. Let's Google it. No. I don't care. Enough. Anyway. We're gonna move on to our final conversation here on behind the pen. Thank you all for sticking around, Chicago White Sox. And this is—I'm excited to talk about the White Sox with you because I really we picked, haven't.
1: We picked three very depressing topics.
0: Yeah, we're gonna end it on something on a, on a higher note because
1: I mean you couldn't care. I mean you're a Cubs fan, so no,
0: but it's it's fun to watch franchises. Also, it doesn't matter. Like we're in Chicago. I'm a huge Cub fan, and that's obvious. Uh, but I, I'm I'm always interested in seeing franchises start from the ground up. And I was fortunate enough to see the Cubs have tremendous success from the route that they were able to go. And there was a little bit of a luck you know, that went along with the Cubs situation as well. But teams like the Astros went through it. The Braves are going through it. The Phillies are going through it right now. Milwaukee's going through it right now. The Reds are just terrible. But we look at those sort of they're fun. And the White Sox are now a part of that conversation because they had this value that they were able to move. Sale to Boston for Yon Monkota. Michael Kopech, who throws 105, which is nuts, projected to be a starter. Luis Alexander brasabe excited about like him, him a lot. I like him a lot. And Victor Diaz, you move on from that trade. The next day, Adam Eaton's moved to Washington for Lucas Giolito, third overall prospect in baseball. By the way, Moncota won. And then you had Dane Dunning, another starter. Ronaldo Lopez, with some major league experience already, mm-hmm. another starter. So the White Sox just, with two moves, totally revitalized their farm system. I talked about this a little bit, but I wanted to bring this up to you because I haven't really gotten a chance to kind of go through it with you. And you're the big White Sox fan here. How do you feel about the direction of the team moving forward?
1: Well, I mean, finally this happened. <laughs> it took a while. I mean, it took it took it definitely took a lot to swallow their pride and finally just trade these guys. But they've only traded two guys. They've traded two players, you know, through of the most problematic players on their team. True. The Eaton trade was great. I'm not I don't I mean he was he was a really good player, but Anybody who was sad about Drake LaRoche is an idiot and needs to go. So Call that's him fine. A leader. And Eaton's one of those guys I think a lot of people are annoyed with in the clubhouse. Because mm-hmm. he definitely
0: seems like the Nick Swisher annoying type. Yeah. Like never shuts yes, up. Yes, yes, yes. The grindy guy. That's a good point. Yeah, it takes pride in running into walls and stuff, even mm-hmm. though he makes stupid decisions in the outfield, <laughs> which the Washington Nationals are going to have to make a decision. Were they going to put him in center or right field? He's obviously better than right. They're going to put him in center, and they, he loses all his value when that happens. Sure. So, White Sox trading Eden with his high uh, value at its highest. And I, was, I couldn't believe they were able to acquire Giolito. Giolito, this package— I'm per- not surprised. Well, the, I'm just saying this because the package that they got in return besides Robles was pretty much similar to what they wanted for sale. Yeah. So they were able to get what they wanted for sale. But they want to
1: trade Turner for sale, if I if I can remember. Recall,
0: I he may have been in conversations. I think the Nationals shut that down, but they had uh, specific guys in the Eaton trade along with you know, involved in the sale talks. Yeah, but it didn't it didn't go through because Rick Hahn, now with Kenny Williams out of his you know shoulder out of the way here, he's able to maneuver what he wants to do. That sale trade, you got Moncada. How do you feel about? young mankara and they said that uh han said that they project him to be a mi- up the middle guy which means he's going to play second base.
1: No, that's an amazing pickup. But like anybody else, there's still like the cloud of mystery of how exactly good is this guy going to be? You know, you never really know.
0: Especially guys coming from, you know, the Dominican and Cuba, you're not you're if not he, really
1: if he doesn't become, you know, like a 4 or 5 or every year player then you got
0: robbed. Sale. Suddenly, Boston Red Sox rotation looks like one of the best. Honestly, I don't think it looks that good. Because
1: sale and price, okay, that's really good. Price Porcello. been a little inconsistent. Porcello could easily take a shit next year and not be that good. Come back to earth. Honestly, Porcello's year he, it was not Cy so Young worthy.
0: Yeah, you you were for Verlander then.
1: He did. Oh yeah, Work Porcello's WAR was like eighth, if anything, in the in the in the American League. It was like four point six. That's fine. I mean, it's easy to win that many games when you're getting seven point eight runs of offense like every single game.
0: That's very true. He so, won all those games because of our Red Sox offense.
1: Yeah, uh, the, the Red Sox rotation, besides behind Sale and Price, looks iffy to me. Because after that, it's Stephen Wright. Stephen Wright, young, you know, young pitchers. Those, yeah, he's going to Eduardo
0: Rodriguez is mm-hmm. having more knee problems. Yeah. yeah. So White Sox, I think, did what they had to do in moving Sale, and I. It was hard to take it first, but yep, yeah, they got they got the good the good return. And you, you the brought up return. you brought up the two locker room guys. And then Sale. I mean, sales
1: just seems like a lunatic. He, he
0: is kind of crazy. He is kind of crazy. And I would also go crazy if I was as talented as he was playing, under, every single year. playing under the White Sox front office. However, you, you know, multiple situations where he went nuts on Kenny Williams in front of everyone, called him out uh, during a players meeting. You can't do that. You can't call out your team president. I know you're frustrated, but my God. That's going to get out to the media. You're going to look like a crazy person. And then he cuts up jerseys, you know, and then he was all pissed off about the Drake LaRoche situation. He was pissed off about Tyler Flowers being traded as personal catcher. Well, let's just say that Sale better perform in Boston. I'm sure he will. If he doesn't want to get mad at people. <laughs> well, I think he's in a good situation now at Boston. It's good for him because Boston's obviously going to be relevant in the playoffs, but we're talking we'll White see. Sox.
1: Sale's on a pretty you know, pretty crazy five-year run as a starter here.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know what? He w- He looked human. Last season a little bit. And I know he took a lot off I with mean, his fastball. Honestly, he was still dominant.
1: He still had a really good year last yeah. year. Like a really, really yeah. good year last I mean, year. He's still all-star on year.
0: One of the best pitchers in, in baseball. There's no denying that. But I think current state of the White Sox, absolutely necessary for make, making the moves that they had already made. And I want to bring this up to you as well. And before I do that, should the White Sox, what should the White Sox do next? Do they move more talent? Because they have a plethora right now. Well, getting rid of Quintana would automatically make them the best farm in baseball.
1: But right now, you got to just wait. Just might as well. I mean, his contract isn't going anywhere. He's signed through 2021. So you can just hold on Quintana, maybe wait till the deadline when there's a team who thinks that they're a pitcher away from getting one shot at the World Series. That's when you trade him.
0: That's true. Swindle him. And that's that's why the White Sox really aren't in any hurry this offseason to move a guy like Quintana because they have the deadline. You, you, you just increase that value, especially since— the need goes way up in July because that's when teams understand, okay, we're, gonna, we're going for it, and the Sox are most likely going to be among the bottom feeders of the league this year. That's when you could take advantage. However, apparently a lot of sources are saying that Pirates are involved. Astros,
1: Yankees. Yankees. Dodgers, too. But um, if there's going to be a three-team trade worked out here, there, there has to be a third team that's satisfied with not getting Cantana.
0: Right. And if the Yankees and Pirates are involved, who are rumored— I don't know how that's going to be worked out because what the Yankees are interested in McCutcheon, I saw. I'm not sure how serious those talks are. There's, that doesn't make any sense for them. It really didn't. It really didn't. When I saw it, I was just like... But that's because
1: it's, it was convenient because the Pirates have to move McCutcheon to have enough money to afford Quintana.
0: Right. And the Pirates are desperate because they need to do something.
1: I, I like their rotation right now. Though. They're young. Garrett Cole, Tyler Glass
0: Ivanova.: Ivan Nova. Yeah, Ivan Nova. How about it? I he, thought he was done. But the pirates rectified him.
1: Fifty-two strikeouts, to two walks, or something like that, with the pirates last year. Sounds so like a whole
0: new man. I think what you what you said about Quintana was a good point. You don't necessarily have to trade him now, but you are for trading him.
1: Yeah, if the right deal comes along. Only yeah. if the right deal comes. Because
0: current state of the White Sox, you just got to get as much young players as possible and just keep filling that prospect uh, that farm system.
1: Because there's nothing wrong with trying to keep Quintana and Rodon as your future one-two.
0: Do you want them to trade Todd Frazier?
1: It doesn't matter. He's a free agent <laughs> after this year. They're not going to get much return for him. What about what about Abreu? I'd uh I'd be for trading Abreu for sure. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely overrated. You think so? He's a terrible first baseman. Talk about why he's overrated. Not only is he a terrible first baseman, fielding-wise is awful, really like one of the worst. He his last two seasons offensively haven't been that good either. Because he has a horrible strike to walk ratio, and he only drives in so many runs because it's you know it's just an inflated stat. Very true. I, I, I have a hard time disagreeing with you. He's been pretty average these last two years.
0: And last year he was horrible for four months at the mm-hmm. plate. He was yeah, lost. Absolutely. So you look at, at the current state of the White Sox. What about the catcher's position? Because I know, uh, uh, what was it? They really screwed that one up. Yeah. They really screwed it up. They should have got
1: Wellington Castillo.
0: Yeah, I, I, former Cub. Um, Omar Narvaez kind of stepped up last year.
1: Navarez is good. He looks like a guy looks who okay. could definitely play like 80 games a year. A but you're
0: waiting him. for Zach Collins' draft pick of uh, just last get,
1: season. Let's get somebody to help the pitchers out.
0: Sure. Kenji Jojen was still a free agent. They missed out on Wellington Castillo. Yeah, good. So the White Sox have plenty of opportunities. I don't know what's going on with Brett Laurie. I don't think he's happy with the way things are going down with the White Sox. It seems like... They're about ready to move on, especially given— They already in, brought him back. You know, no, they didn't—I thought they were going to non-tender him, but they did decide to— brought,
1: That's a good move to bring him back.
0: They they agreed in uh, arbitration. But he, he knows that Moncada is on the heels of Laurie, so I'm not sure how much longer Brett is going to be a part of the White Sox, specifically— Which is sad to me, because the right move would be
1: to put Laurie back at his more natural third base. He played an okay second base, though. I mean— from how I mean, I know fielding stats are really subjective, but the way I like interpreted him, he's way better rated at third base and second yeah. base. And that In second base, he's a
0: he's not that good. He's a bit of a spaz. Just sure, <laughs> we think about we we thinking outside the box here on uh, behind the pen. You move a guy either Frazier or Brayu, that opens up third base for your boy Lori uh, I'd put Lowry at third,
1: Ted Frazier at first, Brayu at DH. But it's yeah. not like it matters anymore.
0: Sure, because with uh, Tyler Saladino though, you got to find time for him, and in the meantime, he'll get time because Moncada is not going to
1: come up till right. earliest end of May.
0: But you expect him to be up this year. And, oh
1: yeah, Would be so stupid not to.
0: Yeah, no, he he should absolutely. But the, the Sox are in a pretty good pretty good spot in terms of talent right now. I think seven of the top ten prospects are pitchers. Yep, And that's what you need. Lots of arms. So it'll be fun. I, Michael Kopech though, what's your opinion on Michael Kopech? Because he's kind of a, I don't know. I don't know what I, I can't really get a I feel. feel of him he's gonna be yet. a closer. I Think see. So? I
1: see him being a closer. He seems to have like that kind of personality. Yeah, I don't so know. Like I follow him on Twitter. And, you know. He's, yeah, he's kind of out there. He's, yeah, he's he's kind of funny. I see him maybe being like one of those crazy closer type guys because I feel like if he becomes a starter, his arms gonna fall off.
0: Yeah, when you throw that hard so consistent uh, consistently. He's, you don't see that very it's often. It's so
1: rare. Only like Verlander and Syndergaard are those guys who keep pounding out 99 all the time.
0: And but even like, Verlander's velocity went down over the years. Eventually fell off, yeah. And we see Syndergaard suffering from elbow trouble.
1: Yeah, it's it's tough to be a starter and consistently throw that high range. Like Max Scherzer is definitely an anomaly. But yeah. he still probably sits in like 96, oh, 97.
0: And Max Scherzer, my goodness. Uh watch him live. If you walk, if you go to a baseball game uh, watch oh, Max I this, Scherzer pitch.
1: I, I was at his first career shutout.
0: Yeah, I think I was there with you. Him against uh, Sale. I think we were there together. Yes, yeah, in the left field and we I, I really could admire uh Scherzer's just like just his poetry on the mound because the the last time I saw Scherzer pitch at, at US Cellular, he well now at guaranteed field. <laughs> I sat, please, in home, uh, behind home plate about 15 rows back and I didn't understand the power of that man's arm, and it wasn't. It was so seamless. He would just, you know, routinely go through his motion. Boom, ninety four. Boom, ninety four. Then he'll gear it up, ninety seven. Unbelievable, this guy. And if you're going to look at Michael Kopech, I and you talked to. I wanted to bring this up actually. You you talked to me about spin rate and uh, velocity in an article you read. Can you just explain that a little bit? Because I thought that was super interesting.
1: Yeah, because going with Statcast, they keep track of spin rate and stuff like launch speed and all that. And they're talking about. The article was about spin rate of forcing fastballs and a pitchers who threw at least 100 of them. Scherzer was in the top 10 for spin rate. And the main conclusion they came to is that they still have a lot to do with research about it, but the main thing is it's not how much your ball spins, what you do with that spin. So if you're throwing above the average uh, spin, usually it means your, your fastball has a lot of good life on it. It's gonna It seems like it rises, but it doesn't rise. It just falls slower. And Scherzer has a fastball like that, his four-seamer for sure.
0: And then you said it, it results in more fly balls, uh, comp- as opposed to uh, pitchers below average spin rate.
1: Yeah, a lot of and rate misses, and if you throw below, if you throw a lower spin rate, there's going to be a lot of ground balls because you know there's a lot more sink.
0: Right. That's really cool. That's really interesting stuff. And that's, I love baseball because there's so much you can dive into, especially now with Statcast, like you said. It's getting deeper and deeper. Route yeah. efficiency. You talk about fly ball rate. Launch the, speed. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Like you can tell, like if someone's you know got a high launch speed, you tell you can like it's easier to tell minor leaguers now. Like you got a little more information to go like go through like and see.
0: And it's such a great tool for outsiders like us to just diagnose what what makes up a good player.
1: Yeah, dude. Honestly, I think looking at that spin rate science is like something to look into this year. Like the research to come with it, it's really <laughs> interesting.
0: Very cool stuff. Very cool stuff. All right. man. I don't know how long this podcast was, but it was a pleasure. Honestly, it was so fun. Like ten minutes. Yeah. Right. Seems like it. (laughs) And I I hope I can get you on again sometime soon. Maybe, maybe in the summer. I know school's starting up again. You know, we got responsibilities and whatnot. So. Yeah,
1: dude.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mean,
1: we'll do like a podcast where like I'm at school and you're here. Yeah,
0: over the phone. Yeah, dude. Like, hey, man, what you doing? Yeah. Frozen pizza. (laughs) Sack of marbles. You know. Current college. What life. do you think? What do you think college life is actually like? Well, I don't go to college. I actually just stay home and do this all day. So I thought you lived that's in my center. life. I thought you lived here. Oh, in the studio? No, that's yeah. not me. That's actually Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the college life. I assume is uh, you live in the dorm. You got a roommate. You know what I mean? And uh, you guys play board games in the
1: in the dorm. <laughs>
0: yeah, in the dorm.
1: I'm almost twenty-two years old. Yeah, bunk in a dorm.
0: You still got bunk beds.
1: Yeah, well, that we—that's true. You got desks. Uh, you got desks. actually sleep in the same bed as my roommate. That, see now that's efficiency have...
0: because it gives you more room.
1: Yeah, I mean, even though we each have our own room, you
0: actually take couches from the lobby, and allow a third roommate in. So
1: yeah, right? Dude, that's college. Absol- yeah. <laughs> Boom!
0: We nailed it. <laughs> Meal plans, <laughs> just taking like backpacks full of food, just like stuffing them from the the oh, buffet so, table. It's so easy. Oh yeah, it's so easy. Yeah. What a life! What a life! Any any college students out there, tell me how wrong I am, because obviously I have no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) But all right, Luke, it's been a pleasure. Wow. Uh, I I really do appreciate you coming on uh, to Behind the Pen. I hope you all enjoyed uh, our voices today. Uh, It's been, man, most valuable podcast, guys. It's been my home for almost a year now, and we're kind of taking off a little bit. And it's all thanks to you specifically on YouTube, hoping to get 5,000 subscribers Sometime in the near future, and you guys can roast yeah. Ricky Woodmer.
1: Everybody's listening to this. Tell your mom and your dad about
0: Mike Rankin. Mm-hmm. Specifically, Mike Rankin Behind the Pen, which you can listen to a full-length podcast on blogtalkradio.com backslash mostavailablepodcast. Check us out on Twitter as well, at mostavailablepod, Instagram. We have the social medias for you. I mean, if you want to see my beautiful face, then I mean, you just come to my house. Otherwise... Check us out on social media there. Uh, iTunes, download our full length podcast. You have so much humility. Become a Patreon. Uh patreon.com backslash most available podcast. Donate whatever you can. Actually, go broke because we would probably spend it on uh, cheese curds. Otherwise, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I'm I'm being serious, please. If you could donate, we're gonna do a lot more fun stuff for you. If you could find your parents' credit card. There you go. Maybe not invest in those uh pay to play games on your iPhone and invest in most available podcasts. Nice. Any sort of donation would help. Thank you guys so much for all that you do. You guys are a lifeblood. Hopefully we entertained you this time. For Luke Pahennessy, my name is Mike Rankin. Once again, thank you so much. You guys are the best. We will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.